Welcome to Inside Out Leadership. I'm your host, Rob Holman. Now listen, you could be doing a variety of different things, hanging out with a variety of different, different people, but you've chosen in this moment and in this time to spend with me to learn about my Inside Out Leadership philosophy and principles. And for that, I'm honored. So honored that I want to let you in on a special opportunity. Are you a speaker, an author? Do you have a message that you believe the world desperately needs to hear? If that's you, I want to encourage you to formally be a part of my world-class speaker community called the Get Paid to Speak Bootcamp. Go to www.robholman.com forward slash GPS to learn more. I've been really looking forward to our guest this month on Inside Out Leadership. His name is Chris Singleton. Chris, and some of us might recognize his name, he is an inspirational speaker and racial reconciliation catalyst. After his mom was murdered in a race-related church shooting, he made it his mission to professionally speak all over the world, teaching people to lead with love and unity. As a former professional baseball player turned advocate for unity, Chris's forgiveness principles help any person overcome any adversity life throws their way. One of the recent quotes I heard Chris give is every person you meet has a story behind their pain. Chris is going to share the story behind his pain and how truly it is triumph over tragedy. Enjoy my conversation with Chris. Chris Singleton, welcome to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast, my friend. What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know how much I've been looking forward to this conversation because you and I may have more in common than we even realize. We're both out there speaking, sharing our message, sharing our heart. We're both former professional athletes. We'll get to that. But I thought a really good place to start, but yet a challenging place to start is uh, really at the heart of your story. Would you be willing to share about the tragic incident that took place in Charleston, South Carolina at your church a handful of years ago? Absolutely, man. And as tough as it is, I feel like for me, it's a way to keep my mom's memory alive and uh, the other victims of my church family that we lost. So the incident that you're speaking about is uh, June 17, 2015. Unfortunately, uh, there was a guy who wanted to start a race war in this country He's a young guy, man, and what he did was he walked into my church and, you know, sat there for about an hour, hour, 15 minutes, and ultimately he took nine lives that night. And mm. his his morals was, hey, if I do this, maybe I can start a, a race war in the country. Like, his, that's what his, his motive was. And unfortunately, you know, I always say that battle was lost because my mom is no longer here. Mm. But the war, I feel like, is being won with, uh, people like me, like yourself, that's out here just pushing hope and trying to bring people closer together. Uh, lost my mom that night, man, my hero, my in my family, she was a priest, provider, protector. Uh, and since that day, I've just been having this this thought process of everything that I do. I want to make sure I don't let my mom down. Yo, and you're not, man. I, I um, Since I, I learned of your story, learned of you, I couldn't help but think what a proud mom she is right now. And um, just with with you speaking, you sharing, you catching people on fire uh, with truth, because one of the things you oftentimes say is love is stronger than hate. And Chris, I want to go into that just a little bit more. When you did hear about the news, I don't know where you were. Maybe you could take us into where you were when you first heard the news 
And when you heard that your mom was one of the victims, like, where were you? What was going through your heart, your mind when you heard that tragic news? Yeah, man, I was only only 18, had a baseball game and, you know, it was a Wednesday night and I started playing my game, get a call on my cell phone and saw my mom's name on it, but realized really quickly that it wasn't my mom that was calling me. Uh, rushed down to my church and when I got down there, you know, I realized something, something tragic had happened. Uh, so I got down there. There's an officer outside of my church doing his job, basically not letting anybody in. And, and finally, I say to the guy, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? Right. Because in that in that situation, like, I'm just nervous and I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I just know that somebody called me from my mom's phone. It's not my mom. And there's a bunch of blue lights out there with the cops and the ambulances and all that stuff. And I'm nervous. And later on throughout that night, man, I just I remember just certain instances where I just could never imagine something like this was happening to me. And you hear people say how stuff is surreal. And, you know, the other day I was just honestly thinking when I lost my mom, people talk about like, once you get shot, like you don't know that you got shot. You just, you just go, yeah. right. You, you don't, you don't know anything. I was in so much shock that I lost my mom that night, but didn't even realize the magnitude of what happened to my family. And, you know, later on that night, I was told that my mom was a victim of the murder and a victim of the shooting. And, you know, I had to tell my little brother and little sister that mom was gone. And, you know, anybody that has to experience something like that knows how tough that is, especially with me knowing, hey, now I got to step up and be that father figure for him. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, uh, you, you said that you were shocked. And you went, I'm sure by default, you started taking care of your siblings. You, you had to share the, the tragic news with them. What was it like? You know, that was the beginning of a process for you, I imagine. You know, you go from shock. I, you know, I oftentimes will talk about grief, the importance of grieving. You know, one day, you know, you're completely shocked. The next you're angry, frustrated, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's a process. It's a journey for people that, that go through any kind of grieving. What was that grieving process like for you? Man, it was tough. I think that, you know, initially I didn't really show any emotion. I made that mistake, man. Honestly, Rob, like I made the mistake of pretending like everything was okay, mm. even though I knew it wasn't right. And so I was on like the, I was on ESPN E60. There was a, I was on the Today Show. I did like a bunch of stuff on like CNN and Fox. So there's massive press run. Uh, just hey, this young guy who's trying to unite people after losing his mom, right? That was the, the 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 headlines and things of that nature. But I didn't really give myself time to sift through what I was going through. My losing my mom, like all I could think about was how do I take care of my brother and sister? And I realized I messed up because for a while I never cried in front of anybody. Like people just said, "Chris, you're so strong." I didn't know what that meant, so mm. I, I didn't know what, if I should cry or if I should show that emotion, but. About a year and a half later, unfortunately, I lost my father. And in, in that moment, I kind of let everything out. Mm. And once I let everything out, I realized, hey, keeping this in, pretending like you're okay all the time isn't helping anybody out. It's just showing your brother and sister that they can't really, they can't grieve. And so I finally let out my emotions and I really started that process of healing from the stuff that I'd gone through. You know, uh, a couple things jump out to me in that. So thank you for your vulnerability in that, because as you and I both know, you know, when you are transparent, and you're vulnerable, that's tremendous strength. There's no doubt about it. And uh, and you're modeling that really well today in this conversation. So 
To go back though, when you did hear that news and you had this response, the response of, I got to take care of my brother, my sister, I got to take care of my siblings. But the message, there's a reason why the Today Show had you on, ESPN, all the, because they saw this young man that was responding out of a place that quite frankly, Chris, and you know this, just the average person just doesn't respond out of that place. Like you were responding out of a place. Didn't mean you were hurt. You were hurt. You were grieving. You were all these, but yet at the same time, you said love is greater than hate, you know? And, and there was something in you that in that moment, you started to take a higher road. You had a higher perspective and everyone couldn't help but take notice because who rolls like that? So for you, where's that come from? Like even to have a default mechanism. And again, I appreciate you sharing like, hey, a year and a half later, you know, your mom had already passed away, your dad passed away, and then all the emotions started to come. But in that moment where you hear news like that, so many, they put up their guard to almost like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But you didn't. And it was a message of hope, love, and unity. Where's that come from? Yeah, man, I think initially I, I had no idea where it was coming from. I felt like it was something out of this world. And, and me being a person of faith, I still believe like it was placed on my heart to forgive a mother's killer because, you know, Rob, if you'd have told me, hey, Chris, you're going to forgive your mother's killer for taking her life because she's black. I would have said, get out of my face. You're crazy. There's mm -hmm. no way in the world this will ever happen. But I did. And I said, love is stronger than hate. And I, looking back, I, I know why I did now, because now I, I figured out, hey, by, by me saying that, by some other church family forgiven, like it brought us closer together and his goal was not accomplished. And I think that's super important because it would have been super easy for us to say, hey, this happened. Now I hate all white people. Mm -hmm. And by me hating all white people, his job, his, his goal is completed. And I think that looking back on it now, I understand why I kind of had that thought process. But when I'm in the midst of the storm, man, it's just reactionary. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was the stuff that my mom instilled into me. Maybe it was my faith that, that came into play. All that I know is now, man, I'm so grateful that uh, my city locked arms. People didn't say like, hey, I wonder what happened before or what happened. No, they just said, hey, let's support the people that lost their loved ones in Charleston because we're all against this evil together. And I'm grateful things went that way. Yeah, and I am too, man, because the ripple effect throughout the last seven plus years has been absolutely unbelievable. So um, so I wanted to first, just on a personal note, I wanted to say how sorry I am. Um, your story just rocked me. And uh, I'm so sorry that you and your family had to go through that. Your mom had to go through it and experience what she experienced. Uh, my heart not only dropped, but it definitely goes out to you. And, uh, and then of course, a year and a half later, um, helping you further process that situation, your father passes away. So my deepest condolences and my continual prayers go out to you and your family. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so here you go. And, you know, I take away, it's like, okay, you were resilient almost immediately and trying to even figure out the reasons why you're given obviously your faith and some things your mom instilled in you and just how God's made you. Um, so you were resilient right from the get-go, had this higher thought, this higher perspective that brought people together for a greater good, no doubt about it. That's without question. But then you fast forward and your heart starts, in a sense, starts to soften even more 
as you begin to grieve, as you begin to unpack what had happened with your mom, your dad's passing. So coupled with that resilience now is the power of grieving, a softened heart offering forgiveness. So now, you know, years later after your mom's passed, your dad's passed, and you're traveling around the world with your message, and you take with you as a tremendous gift, both resilience as well as the power of grieving in a sense, right? And letting go so you can grab a hold of something greater. Um, would you say that now at your age, doing what you're doing, that your message has never been more clear, has never been stronger, and the effect has never been greater? Yeah, man. And Rob, honestly, I used to just study people that are resilient. I used to just study it. I would just think to myself, how in the world do people get through the toughest things? Like, how do they, I know a lot of people go through them, but not everybody's able to be on the other side of it and, you know, allow it to strengthen them, right? Some people, I say, you know, some kids in life, they're thrown into the deep end and you got to sink or swim. And there's some kids that are sinking, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's gangs, it's whatever it may be to cope with the pain they're going through. Hmm. Some people have, uh, you know, have a great childhood and all of a sudden addiction is thrown into their, that's when they're thrown into the deep end. And so for me, I just study people. How do they get through it? And over and over and over again, people that had the thought process of, okay, this happened to me. Yes, it sucks. But how can I grow from this? How can this make me a better human being? How can I serve people based on what I've gone through, what I've gotten through? Those people are the people that actually get through it and live their lives and can still smile afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's what I studied. And for me, I think the message is super clear now. I feel like I've been put on this earth to spread a message of unity, of resilience, and share that with the masses. And opportunities have come left and right. And I'm grateful that I get them because I get to do what I feel like I'm, I'm called to do. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's so good. So, so good. So I got to backtrack way back. I, I need to meet... Chris Singleton, the child, man. I mean, what kind of a kid were you? You go way back, five, 10 years old. Were you happy-go-lucky? Were you an extrovert and love people? Were you more of an introvert and you like to keep to yourself? Because I find the one thing is our story and there's certain climax in our story, how we overcame and stuff like that. But I think if we even take a closer look into the person that we are truly created to be, um, based on maybe how we were knit together, our personality, how we were shaped at a young age, that also contributes to how we're shaped and the message that we have today. So take me back to Chris as a young kid, man. What were you like? Yeah, man, I love that because I'm actually, I just finished a book, Outliers by uh, Mal Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, phenomenal book. And he's, and he's talking about what made us successful or what helped us get to where we're at. Uh, you know, it's basically saying nobody's self-made. There's people along the way that helped you and groomed you. And I had two parents that were both athletes, man. So sports was huge when I was growing up. Um, dad played college football. My mom ran college track. So Ooh. I grew up and I love sports, man. I played everything, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, and I never played soccer. My wife's from Brazil. So she, she always gave me crap about that. <laughs> but love, love sports, man. And I grew up just wanting to be an athlete. Grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I would say I was more of an extrovert, I, you know, I, but I'm also an introvert today. Like I can, I, I travel a lot by myself. And so I can go to movies by myself. I can go, mm -hmm. you know, have dinner by myself and FaceTime my kids or whatever. Like I feel comfortable doing that. So I think I'm both, but as a kid, you know, I hung out and, you know, laughed around. My dad was a super funny guy. He's always making jokes, right? That was my dad. <laughs> and so 
I think I'm kind of that way with my brother and sister uh, today. But I think that was the kind of childhood that I had. I, my dad was a good dad. He struggled with alcohol big time. Right, That was one of the things he really struggled with. But, you know, growing up, man, I, I, I middle class family. I didn't really, you know, have a lot, but I didn't really want for anything. Um, and so things were good in my life. And I thought, you know, me making it to the big leagues is going to be the big break for my family. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, my mom and dad, they didn't get to see me get drafted, unfortunately. Wow. And and take us into that just a little bit. Speak for a moment about being drafted. You know, obviously you played multiple sports. You landed on baseball, which that's interesting all within itself. I'm like, I bet you were pretty good at multiple sports. So why would it be landing on baseball? But who knows? You might say, hey, I was pretty good at all of them, but baseball, there's no doubt that was my game. So take us into that a little bit. Why baseball as opposed to all the others? And what was it like playing pro baseball until the day you finally hung up your cleats? Yeah, man. I think, you know, first to our listeners that are listening, I don't know if you can tell by my voice, you never know, but I am an African-American male. And being a, being a black male, like there's not a ton of kids that look like me playing baseball. But in Atlanta, where I was born and where I grew up, Man, we had all black teams. And my best friend as a kid, I mean, I was over his house every weekend. He was over my house every weekend. Uh, summer camps together. His name was uh, TJ Card, Tim Card. And we both played baseball. And this is my best friend. He loved baseball more than everything else. And so just being my best friend, I'm like, okay, well, I love baseball more than everything else. Um, and we played all the sports together. But baseball was our thing we did all summer long. And when I moved away, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. I just stuck with the sport that I played the most. Uh, basketball still played, and I still love basketball to this day. But, you know, my heart was really in baseball, and I devoted my energy. My, my summers were baseball. And, you know, that's kind of what grew me to play in college. And then my junior year uh, is the year that I got drafted. And my sophomore year was phenomenal. After losing my mom, I just focused on nothing else but just playing my sport and loving my brother and sister. I didn't care about anything else in the world. But I just played my sport, and I trained every single day. I outworked everybody. And by my junior year, I was on probably every single draft board. Um, I shouldn't say every, probably 15 of the of the MLB draft boards I was on. And I was supposed to go between the fifth and tenth rounds. But unfortunately, I lose my father. All this stuff goes on. And so I didn't have the best start to my junior season, but I finished really, really strong. And the Cubs said, man, Chris, we love you. We love your game. And we want you to be a Cub. And that's when I got got drafted, man. I played in the minor leagues. I was grinding it out and played a couple of years. It was a grind, man. I think I hit, low, like, career hit low, low two, 200, maybe 220-something, maybe 230 career hitter. So I didn't hit very well. Hit some home runs here and there, stole some bases here and there. But ultimately, there was a guy behind me, man. They gave him $3.5 million in the big leagues right now, uh, Christopher Morell. And, you know, he was next. He was the next up. And they yeah. said, Chris, can't can't move you up, man. We can't keep you down. So we could uh, see the rookie ball or give you release papers. And I said, man, I'll take my release papers and go go share this message that I have because I was already doing it in the offseason. So it was a smooth transition for me, man. I, I knew what I was doing next. And a lot of athletes, we don't know what we're doing next. But I was grateful that I had something that I loved outside of my sport. Man, that's so good to hear. And and like I said, before we even, I hit the record button for this, you and I were talking a little bit and I went at one's appetite at the beginning, like, you know, like we have a lot more in common than we even realized, but I did share with you how I played seven years of pro basketball. I played in the Atlantic Basketball Association, United Basketball Alliance, Eastern Basketball Alliance, 
and just thrilled as a small college basketball player to play with guys in the professional level that I used to watch on TV. And that was just absolutely amazing. So just even hear your story, backdrop of your story, man. It's just, um, it's inspirational to say the least. So thanks, Chris, for that. Um, for sure, man. That's cool. So, so Chris, you got to share with me. You got a book called Different, right? So I do. come on, you got to take us into the book. Uh, what I love that title, by the way, and the cover is just awesome. So take us into the book. When was it written? And how's it going? You know, being an author and obviously speaking not only your message, but even releasing of a book. Yeah, man. Why? You know, Rob, I, I, I wouldn't call it uh, arrogance. I used to have ignorance thinking that I could speak to every single school in the country is what I used to think, man. I didn't realize how many schools there are. So I said, OK, I can't get to every single school. Number one, I'm married and my wife. We have a rule where I'm, no, I'm not gone longer than 150 days out of the year. We set that rule. And so I said, I can't get to every school, nor do I want to. So what else can I do to get my message out there? And me and my little sister were talking, and ultimately we came up with the idea of writing a children's book. I had no idea what I was doing, Rob. I had no clue, <laughs> but I asked a million people a million questions. And uh, I wrote the story. My editor's like, Chris, that's way too long to be a children's book. We got to cut it down. We cut it down to 32 pages, man. Uh, we released it. And I self-published my first book. You know, obviously I've written other books since then and have a traditional publisher behind me. But that book did the best out of all of them. Mm. Uh, I had the goal of selling a thousand copies. Today we've sold probably 43,000 copies of the book. That's cool. Uh, over the last two years, it's only been out for two years. And so things have gone really well uh, with that children's book. The Obama Foundation got it. They shared it everywhere. Viola Davis, you know, who's won Grammy. She's won mm -hmm. Oscar. Uh, she shared her, her her social platforms. And uh, yeah, people have just supported it big time and it's doing pretty well. Good. Good to hear. And of course, you have Your Life Matters as well as Baseball World, correct? That's correct. Yeah, man. Those are my other children's books that I've written. And then I'm excited. My my next book uh, is releasing uh, 2023, June 17th, 2023. And this one is actually going to be the eight year anniversary Um of remembering when I lost my mom and mm. this book that I'm releasing is my first adult book mm. and I'm still torn between some some titles but essentially it's about this message of unity and resilience that I always speak about yeah I love it man you are doing your thing mom would be proud dad would be proud and uh I know so many people around the globe are not only proud but they are deeply inspired influenced and impacted by you and your message Chris so I appreciate that so if you had one more kind of a leave behind or word of wisdom as it relates to turning tragedy into triumph, what would you leave behind with the audience? Oh, man, there's two things I want to leave behind. Um, first and foremost, I think we have to do something to remember our loved ones that we lose, right? Whether it's a 5K in their honor, whether it's a, a foundation, whether it's, you know, just living the right we have to do something to say hey i remember this person by doing this and when people have a purpose for their pain those are the people that can get through it and they can give back to people that are going through it uh, so number one have a purpose for your pain and number two i think once we everybody realizes that we as much as we think we can we cannot control what happens to us we can only control our response and we focus on those responses instead of what happens to us, things will happen for us in life 
And although we go through tragedy, trials and tribulations, we'll say, you know what, man, this is making me stronger and I won't fold because of it. That's a good word. And that couldn't be any more timely, too. I think with everyone, with what they're going through, with the added stresses of COVID now coming out of it, of course, as well as family issues, problems, challenges and professional ones, Chris. Um, I don't know if you've ever been considered a prophet, but I'll tell you, man, you got a word for this day and age that we all need to not only hear, but apply for sure. So, hey, where can we find out more about you? Because I know we got tons of leaders listening to this. And like, hey, I need to get in touch with Chris. I need to invite him to either my school, my business, whatever. So where can people find you? Yeah, man. My uh, website, chrissingleton.com is where people get in touch with me. My social media is I got every single social media, Singleton underscore two. But yeah, chrissingleton.com is how people bring me in and speak. And I would love to partner with anybody that wants to do so. Chris, you're a tremendous gift. Appreciate your conversation with me today because I know you are out and about, ready to speak tonight virtually. You got something live tomorrow. So just taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend with me and to spend with us, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Take take, uh, behind for me something that you've left me with today that I'm going to ponder, I'm going to think about, I'm going to pray about, is what does it look like to have a heart of resilience at the same time allowing yourself to grieve And when you begin to hold those two close to you, because sometimes we take a look and it's like, hey, I'm either going to be resilient or I'm going to be soft and grieve. But I think both can be held together and taken in closely. And I believe when you begin to do that with the help of others, all of a sudden now you begin to find a strength deep within and around that you'd never have otherwise. So Chris Singleton, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to continue the conversation. There's no doubt about it. And the next time that we cross paths, Traveling, speaking, man, you know we got to hit up a meal. You know we got to go out and grab some food. Absolutely, my man. I'll uh, I'll be up your way soon. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Blessings. Bye.